So, you want to be a CFCR host, huh? You think you've got what it takes to inform and entertain the fine people of Saskatoon? You think you'll be the ruler of the airwaves? You think you're something special? Well, cool. That's great. You see, here at CFCR, we're always looking for a few good folks. New hosts to keep what we do here as fresh and vital as it can be. If you're interested in being the next recruit, head over to cfcr.ca and fill out the online application. Or stop by CFCR headquarters at 267 3rd Avenue South and apply in person. It's just that easy. Now, drop or give me 20. Or, or don't. I don't know. I'm not your boss. You do what you want. Well, and just like that, here we are on a wonderful spring evening that's still sunny out it's still warm out my guest has a t-shirt almost well shirt short sleeve shirt on so this is good news that we are in a good space before i introduce um, my guest to tonight's show i just wanted to do a a shout out today a year ago a dear friend a colleague a guest host um, somebody whose voice is still missed in Saskatoon, Jordan Cooper. Just want to give him a shout out to his family um, on the one year passing of, of Jordan Cooper. So just wanted to take that moment. So thank you, everybody, for uh, joining Civically Speaking. I'm your host, Lenora Swiston, and tonight I have a new, fresh guest to the show. His name is Dr. Ehab Dehab, and I just said, you've got one of the coolest names. Now, did I just mix it up in order? No, I didn't. You know, because I I was always, because you you and I were talking before, and uh, Ehab, that you've got one of the coolest names, because your two last letters in both your names are the same. Yes, yes. I tell you, that's fantastic. So, you know what? You are new to Saskatoon, new-ish still. You've got the new car smell still going on here (laughs) in terms of your um, um, being part of the Saskatoon um, context. you want to share a little bit about who you are and what brought you to Saskatoon? Yeah, sure. So before I get started, thank you, Lenore, for having me today. And I'm very pleased to get be introduced to everyone. And hello, everyone. Um, My name, as Lenore mentioned, it's Ihab Diab. I'm originally from uh, Egypt, but um, I done my uh, before coming to Saskatoon uh, uh, to work at the University of Saskatchewan as uh, assistant professor in the Department of Geography and Planning. I I obtained my PhD from McGill University School of Urban Planning with a special focus on transportation planning. And afterwards, I joined the, the University of Toronto Transportation Research Institute, uh, U3, for a couple of years doing research uh, locally in Ontario. And then here I am in Saskatoon since last July. Okay, so you <laughs> end up in Saskatoon yes. and your expertise so to speak, is transportation. So it makes me wonder, okay, how does a person that's been working on transportation in some of these bigger centers end up in Saskatoon? Yes, so that's really interesting question. So one of the issues that really attracted me to Saskatoon, it was the uh, current ambitious plan by the city and, uh, and, and, and the government to implement this new PRT system and to completely ch- change the transit network conf- 
configuration in the city, as well as the uh, connected uh, land use uh, mm -hmm. changes. So all this happening beside the University of Saska Saskatchewan have very good planning program. Yeah. The uh, The uh, undergraduate uh, planning program here, it's one of the most known in the Western Canada and most, most established. So all this make me really excited to take this job and mm -hmm. to come to Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. Well, and I remember being really excited learning about you because I'm part of the regional and urban planning program as a professional associate. So it was really kind of neat to kind of follow your journey before before you became kind of permanent here. Yes. Um, so that's fantastic. I want to know a little bit more about your background in transportation and kind of what got you interested in transportation and kind of your journey into that, if you mm -hmm. don't mind sharing a little yeah, bit about that. Yeah, that was a really interesting journey. So actually my background, my undergraduate was in architecture, uh, engineering. And then uh, I, after I finished my undergraduate in 2003, I started working in a company that doing mainly transportation planning projects in mm -hmm. Middle East. That's when I got really more interested about learning more about transportation and decided to go for for a PhD. And uh, that's why I went to McGill uh, to, to start my, uh, my PhD program there. And uh, during all these years, I felt like uh, transportation, it's a big thing it's, it's coming it's changing it's really a hot topic for all cities across the world so uh, that's why keep motivating me to work in this area mm -hmm. and so when you were doing work in the middle east what were some of the projects that you were doing that kind of triggered you towards wanting to look at transportation so yeah i i work with uh, a lot of projects for uh, the ministry of transport in egypt mm -hmm. uh That was uh, related to designing the bus network, for example, in my home city in Alexandria. Also, I work in developing all the hub terminals of the rail system in Egypt, including the major station in Cairo and uh, the, uh, the hub station also in Alexandria. So all this really built my 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 interest in transportation mm -hmm. and uh, and. The selection of the program that I will go to do my PhD program at. Okay, and, and, and so for those of us that may not have ever been to Cairo, I mean, I've had a few folks that <laughs> are listening on the show. I know that have been there. Um, I've had relatives that have worked there. I haven't myself been there. Explain mm. kind of what the context of those urban environments are like, and when we're talking about transportation there, if yes. you don't mind. It's really. Um, Contents uh, cities, uh, and uh, it's like any other cities. We start building uh, uh, more streets, more bridges, and start to expand in suburban areas over the last 15 years, which which increased our congestion problems. So, I, I uh, if if I can compare. Like uh, congestions in Cairo and Alexandria, yeah. I will compare it to Toronto, for example. Okay. We spent hours in the car, not that are that that is not moving, not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then now there's shifting toward building new uh, public transit infrastructure and uh, infrastructure, and also uh, building new rails. But still, that's really um, a hard take because of the finance, finance and 
and also people acceptance sometimes. So, so there's many uh, similarities to what I see here in North America. Oh, that's interesting, yeah, because yeah. I, don't, I don't know if people necessarily think that right off the bat, you know, in terms of looking at the Middle East to hear what, that there are more similarities than differences. What would be a key difference, though, aside from weather? Uh, <laughs> I guess the... Uh, it's old cities with old urban fabric. Yeah. So you got all this uh, uh, very uh, uh, dense neighborhoods and you get also uh, this social, uh, this uh, social like uh, systems that working that make the neighborhoods more, more, uh, I can say more, um, more uh, lively. So mm-hmm. it is, yeah. So I guess that can be. Um, some of the differences. Okay. And then when you came to McGill, what kind of drew you to McGill's program? I'm curious how you kind of segued from the Middle East and then came over to North America. So um, 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 so I, I looked for transportation planning in, 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 in uh, North America, in yeah. Canada, and McGill was really uh, uh, one of the programs that offers this concentration uh, in transportation planning. And uh, so I was really excited about that. And I was also excited about going to Montreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Montreal, I know it's... Uh, uh, it, it's really nice city with uh, very uh, very cosmopolitan nature. So I was super excited to to go and live there for a few years. Excellent. So mm-hmm. let's talk a bit about your PhD research yes. that you did. In- Miguel, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So uh, my PhD actually f- was focusing in very interesting area. So transit agencies now across North America mainly use different improvement strategies to improve the service, like uh, uh, bus reserved lanes, for example, articulated buses, long buses, uh, uh, transit signal priority systems, which uh, give priority uh, to buses at any at intersections. Um, uh, also like express service or limited stop services and uh, smart car fare collection systems. So all this set of strategies are used in, 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 in different cities. So um, I, I wanted actually to explore how this this how this improvement strategies impact the surface quality and reliability, but more importantly importantly how it impacts user perception and satisfaction so uh, so I took uh, a very interesting case study from from Montreal and explored the, the implementation of different strategies on on the surface quality and also on user perception and satisfaction. So in order in order to do that, I contacted um, I used the uh, transit agency STM in Montreal actual operational data, which is uh, uh, consists of automatic vehicle location system, 
which like a GPS in each single yeah. bus, and automatic passenger counting system, which also provide uh, the number of people getting on and off uh, at each single stop for uh, for each buses. So almost 20% of the buses in, in Montreal was equipped with such systems. So I use this operational data to understand the changes that user experience uh, in terms of uh, surface quality and uh, on-time performance and adherence to schedule. And then I went to streets and asked people um, how they perceive this, the impact of the, of the surfaces and to understand if some strategies, for example, have more positive uh, impact on perception than others. So, for example, very interesting results. Mm -hmm. People was really uh, happy with the implementation of uh, uh, bus reserved lanes and articulated buses. So uh, happy in terms of they overestimate the savings, the benefits. But when transit agency implemented the transit signal priority system, which basically uh, give, uh, as I mentioned, give priority at buses at the at, at signalized intersections, people didn't really so any benefits of that. So it didn't overestimate the benefits. Both from the riders and people that were not riders? Uh, no, I mainly focus on riders. Okay, so the, and then riders didn't see the benefit yes. of it. Yes, that's interesting. while there was actually some benefits. Okay. So there was some saving, but that speaks to like people also, the perception it's important issue to take into consideration when mm -hmm. you do a new measure. It's not only about how much you save, but how people see it. So combining both, you can really achieve a more attractive service that can really attract more users to the system. Okay. So so let's take this let's let's take this even a little bit further. So so you were looking at the bus systems in and of themselves. Is that correct? Yes. Right. And so so you're asking them like how does it feel riding an articulated bus? Yes. So basically, I had three uh, yeah. short uh, surveys, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on field surveys, and each survey had about 400 users. Okay. Uh, so I hired a team of students and okay. we went to ask people at stops. Mm -hmm. uh, now, compared to before, do you see any saving in your waiting time and travel time? What satisfaction now? And, and uh, now, compared to before? And doing these surveys give us indication about the impact of. Uh, the implemented strategy, but we didn't ask about the strategy itself, but we saw the implicit impact of the strategy on users. Okay, and so when you mean by strategy is whatever that was that used, whether it was an articulated yes. bus or a BRT or something like that. Exactly, like, exactly. I mean, so you weren't putting a judgment on that, you were just saying, okay, you're using this, so what's your thoughts? Yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. and so when it came to perception versus reality, like you said there was a little bit of a misalignment when it came to kind of like um, time sequence going through kind of traffic lights where they were sequenced. Yes. We had some questions survey asking people about when they start okay. using the surface. Yeah. And actually using this operational data, we estimated the travel time, for example, before and travel time after. Yeah. And we built a statistical models to see if the overestimation it's really significant compared to the actual change of surface or not. And while we're having some variables that that uh, explore the impact of each single strategy. And so what did you learn? So I learned that uh, 
We have to consider people perception, and uh, so even if it really is making a great difference, uh, yes. if it sucks for the person, then maybe it's not so great. Or exactly. What would you? So one important note here: articulated buses mm-hmm. never saved any travel time for users. Interesting, because it's slower than regular buses, yeah. but users overestimated the benefits in travel time. Huh. So that was a really interesting case, and uh, I, I guess. It's uh, it's reflect many issues that really we can't really uh, measure it. It's really related to how people uh, perceive this kind of uh, new uh, new initiatives. So, okay. huh. really yeah. interesting. You know what? It's for folks that are just tuning in, I'm here with Dr. Eab Diab, and he is a professor in the Regional and Urban um, Program Planning Program at the university. Through the acronym goes even longer through the Department of Geography and Planning, yes. of which you've heard some of my colleagues that have been on this show before. I loved your field research because I know Dr. Blakely would love this because I know she gets students out there all the time doing mm-hmm. metrics yep, yep. at different intersections, going okay, what's the perception of this and what brought you to this corner and measuring who's been, you know, riding a bike and who's been flying by on a bus and such. So I can see a lot of, I can see a lot of friendships budding here <laughs> in terms of geek research. And shout out to the students through the uh, Regional and Urban Planning Program, the Planning Students Association, because I heard you speak at Momentum mm-hmm. um, just a few weeks ago where you were sharing some of the results of this study. So for folks tuning into Civically Speaking, we are having a very geeky discussion here. And that means positive <laughs> for all of us in terms of transportation. I want to now talk about, you know, transportation in and of itself in terms of as a lens from a planning lens. Like, you know, there's an importance to this, but what are some of the trends that you're seeing across Canada mm-hmm. right now? And you mentioned a few different modalities, but, you know, as somebody who's, who's steeped in this, what are you seeing right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean different trends in Canada? Yeah. So, um, and North America. Yeah. Yep. So now, uh, as I mentioned, like uh, transportation planning in the 70s and 80s was really focusing on car mobility. Yeah. But the shift has uh, happened like only uh, 20 years ago. And now all transportation plans across all North America focus on transportation and focus on uh, transport sustainability goals so it linked transportation to sustainability goals uh, in order to improve uh, people quality of life so um, transportation planning now it's mainly focusing on building new infrastructure for uh, for transit for active transportation mode biking uh, and walking and that's to to really provide more balanced system, to give more choices to people. When you give more choices to people, that means you get people more, uh, more, uh, more, uh, you get them more happy, more satisfied with the urban system. So, um, so that's the uh, general trend now. Some cities are catching up, like Toronto, the, they have a huge plan that are currently under implementation current under construction uh similarly in toronto uh, similarly in montreal sorry the implementing uh, uh, the new uh, new uh, subway line and many cities seeing prt lrt implementation and saskatoon i guess now we catching up also mm-hmm. with our uh prt system here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, with the brt plan so um I guess it's the uh, the fact that our city was designed for cars and impacted by suburban growth. Uh, it's very 
it, 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 it's very visible in all the cities in North America, big cities, small cities, medium cities. And was, this is, was a mistake, I can say, by planners. We thought that uh, that city would work, but when we see the negative impact of car usage, uh, we learned that, that now we have to do something there. So car have really uh, a lot of, uh, lot of problems. They impact our urban spaces, our hills, our, uh, our environment. And that's really triggered that change. And, uh, and now, as I mentioned, transportation planning is focusing more on building this balanced uh, transport uh, options for all users. It's interesting because you, you, you let planners take the weight of the problem and i don't know if i necessarily no, agree with that uh, because i think i think if, if we look at the whole system yes. of municipal governance yes, there not, might be a few other players that have been involved of course in that. of course it's not uh, a mistake of planners of course but it is the nature it's the situation so when you get more demand on on on, on a product you produce more so yeah. when you get more cars, you need to produce more streets, more provide more parking, and so on and so forth. So it's not really uh, it's very true. It's not only planners, but the city as as how it 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 grows. So and I know you and I have talked before, and I and I've said you know yeah but when we talk about transportation alternatives, you know we've got LRTs, and I know this city has talked about why why aren't we talking LRT not BRT, you know and why why are we talking or or do we even need to talk about buses at all or should we be already jumping kind of like what we've seen happen in some of our our southern hemisphere countries where they jumped from putting more lines on the ground to just going to cell phones and in fact they were ahead with cell phone technology way before we were you know so jumping to smart cars and other things i've you know and i've looked at seeing smart buses now where they and smart lrts where there's no tracks but they've embedded all different kinds of transits you know systems so that they can just run these things. What's your thoughts on all that? I guess moving from bus to PRT, it's very um, visible and very logical op option. So bus to bus rapid transit. Uh, yes, to okay. bus rapid transit. Yeah. So bus rapid transit is considered uh, uh, a cheap, efficient, uh, is Isn't it just a sexy way of saying make the buses move faster <laughs> <laughs> and more efficiently? It's it's very true. It's very true, actually. But uh, one important aspect of the yeah. uh, bus rapid transit, it's the promotion and branding that come with it. Yeah. So it's all package. It's not only about the bus, like uh, the vehicle itself, but it's about the package. So full BRT systems, it should be operated like a subway but using buses on okay. tires okay. Uh, in terms you give it right of the way at every single intersection you give it the space like uh, uh, reserved lanes and you use uh, hard capacity vehicles and use promotion and branding to distinguish from the bus which always fails us in reaching our destinations so, so the hypothetical and, and real aspect of BRT is that when you see a BRT coming your way, it gives you the same kind of feel and vibe as an LRT, a light rapid transit. Exactly. But it's cheaper and also it has lower capacity. So it, so normally we implement BRT and when it comes to one point is to be at capacity, we go to ALRT, which is more expensive but offer more capacity. And afterwards, if we need, we can move to a metro or subway system. 
uh, if the capacity increased. So that's your kind of your hierarchy of kind of transit yes. systems. Okay, so a couple of things, all all kinds of things are coming to mind. A couple of examples of where you have seen good BRT systems in place, and then kind of you know walk through some of those examples if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. So a good BRT example. Most of the B, good BRT examples are in Latin America. Okay. So uh, Curtiva, it was a, one of the first BRT system in the world, and it was so successful and was built in the late 70s and then we have seen this growth of PRT systems across the world and uh, Picota it's a good uh, another very good example from Colombia so PRT is there it's it's very popular and uh, it it's actually uh, uh, provide very high capacity uh, and 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 due due to its success now we are bringing it in North America and we start to see it in in many cities uh, including Toronto for example North York they have the BRT system there and so BRT system is more successful when 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 you can see it as I mentioned and yeah. distinguish it from other buses and yeah. you walk by stations and you see. That's that's it's different and uh, and it's fixed infrastructure around it, correct? Yes. So uh, in North York, it's uh, it has the it's reserved lanes and the median of the street and and the station is there and it's very frequent. You can you can see the buses coming. Uh, 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 every now and then. So, um, and is frequency? Are we talking like fifteen minutes circuits, uh, ten minutes, circuits? ten minutes, okay. or endless and yeah. during rush hours? Yeah. And then when they're going through the lights, as you said on your study, yes. they're able to bypass while I'm sitting in my car or I'm walking and yes. they're going through. Yes, exactly. So that's the another issue. So when people feel that transit is moving faster, yeah. they will think twice before taking the car to a destination that can be reached by transit. So uh, so the benefits of PRT, it's uh, social and environmental benefits. It can help uh, also to attract people who are driving now, but they still can consider other options to do this. And are most PRT still a gas powered vehicle or are they electric or what are you seeing there um, in terms it, of technological it's changes still, most of them are gas okay. but uh, uh, electrical buses are coming and they are still in as uh, the test they are still expensive uh, issues in the battery still uh, have to re- resolve but uh, they are coming very soon but you could use the same infrastructure yes. obviously to yeah. do that yes okay so now let's let's go to Saskatoon because I know there's folks that are just tuning in to civically speaking here I am with Dr. Yeb Dieb and we're talking about transportation and this happens to be an area of expertise and one of the reasons we are so happy to have you here with Thank our you. University of Saskatchewan and helping our community so when you're looking at our BRT system here, what are you saying are the essential ingredients we need to have to make it successful? Okay, okay that's a big question. It is. So first, I, uh, I would like acknowledge the city are doing a very good job. And uh, in setting, uh, like in setting up the BRT system. So um, uh, to start with, if you enhance up any transport infrastructure, especially public transit, without changing land uses around these facilities, it would be a failure, completely a failure. Yeah. So the cities understand this very well, and it understands the PRT, it's only one ingredient of the urban systems, and they have to do some work also on the land uses around this PRT 
so when you have this integration, you will get users who will willing to use this PRT system and uh, benefit from it. So, um, so so far the uh, I guess the the current plans are really uh, very ambitious and uh, and uh, with was combining us with changes in land uses around the PRT corridors. And actually, the cities, to be clear, the cities not only implementing the PRT, they're changing actually the network, totally the network configuration, and the PRT will be the backbone of this network. And there's been some hot issues here. We're coming down to the last couple of minutes here, but I'm sure you're aware of this, but one of them is, you know, do we take a street like Broadway and put a BRT on it, which is one of the major corridors on the east side? And, you know, there's been some pushback on that. Same thing on some of the streets downtown is like, where do you put it? And is this truly BRT if you're still having to stop mm-hmm. and they're not dedicated through? And then what do you do with a rail line that's coming through? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, that, I'm giving you a whole minute to respond to all yeah, of this. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's really uh, like big questions. Yeah. But uh Actually, we have to share that BRT bring economical benefits over over uh, on the long term. So having BRT uh, nearby our our like uh, where do we live and businesses that's a positive, and uh, that's a positive thing, not really a negative thing. And uh, again, the BRT it's only another bus, but it's more beautiful bus. So it's not really uh, uh, a wall or something that will disconnect our neighborhoods. Yeah. And I think that's a key point, right, is that I think people maybe are seeing this as just a progressive on a bus as opposed to kind of shifting the transportation completely. It's a, Like, as you said, it's a different type of transit, even though it's on the same wheelbase. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is really interesting. What are, in the last minute here, what would be kind of your your next message for our city in terms of its transit planning? So I, I would really... Uh be happy to see its implementation. The mm-hmm. plans are great, are really awesome. I hope uh, it really uh, be implemented soon, but without rush in planning. So still uh, with a good uh, consideration of different issues. Yeah. And hopefully the BRT will be really uh, a full BRT that capable of providing the uh, efficient, reliable, uh, attractive service for everyone. Awesome. Well, what a great way to introduce you to Saskatoon. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show, and Dr. Eab Diab. And if people wanted to get a hold of you because they were really curious about kind of um, more interest in transit and transit-related, how might they get a hold of you? Um, okay, so uh, they can follow me on Twitter. So it's my first name, underscore, underscore, two underscores, and my last name. <laughs> yeah. So Ehab Dehab, yeah. at Ehab Dehab. Okay. Yes, at and Ehab, then yeah. also 